Hello, hello. Welcome back to Ignite Your Light with Zara Black. So just going back a little to um, after I finally got my ex-husband out of the house, I felt so liberated. Actually, in fact, I remember the morning that he came and he was trying to force me or coerce me to get back into the house. And he, you know, was using all sorts of excuses like, I need to get to work. My work uniform is in the house. My this is in the house, whatever, whatever. And I had made a decision that there is nothing in this world that this man can say to me to make me open this door. You know, the chain was on the door. I was determined that nothing is going to make me fall into that trap again. Once I've gotten him out, he's out. And I remember, funnily enough, I even did um, a video that morning that he left and I was saying that I felt so free and liberated now that, you know, he was out of the house. You know, I'll check in my like phone. I think I, it was in my old phone or something like that. So if I do find it, I will post it on my Facebook page, which is at Zara Black. Yeah, and you can also follow me on Instagram at Zara Black as well, um, all one word. And also on Twitter, I think on Twitter, it's Zara underscore Black. So if I find this video, I'll I'll definitely be posting it um, on the Facebook page. Um, so anyway, back to what I was saying. <laughs> I was just making a video and I was saying how, you know, liberated I feel and how good I feel that, you know, he's finally gone. Cause I felt like, you know, I've been living a life of hell all this while and it just felt good to just start again you know I've gotten the trash out of the house and yeah I'm ready to start a new life and take control of my life so I was still pregnant at this time I was pregnant with my son at the time I didn't want my son or the fact that I was pregnant to trap me into back into the relationship because he was using that as an excuse, like, Zara, you know, you're pregnant, you can't do this all by yourself, you need me, you need my help, the baby needs me, this, that, and the other, you know, almost trying to guilt trip me back into the relationship, and I was like, no, we've been at this point how many times, you know, I'm not going to fall for it again, because, you know, eventually you kind of you get to see what's gonna happen next. You can almost predict it after a while. You take them back and then they do the same stuff and then you take them back and then they do the same stuff and then they say they won't do this and they say they won't do that. But it just becomes a vicious cycle and eventually you can almost predict the behavior. So, you know, you, if you want different results, you're gonna have to change the equation. You're gonna have to do things differently. And I definitely wanted different results as I had just lost too much at this point. I put my faith in the wrong human being and I had been severely burnt and I wasn't gonna do it again. So um, after that, shortly after, I think I filed for a non-molestation order um, which is kind of similar to a restraining order, but it it's not criminal. So whereby a restraining order, you'll probably go through the police and get the police to enforce it on the abuser. Um, a non-molestation order is kind of the same, but it's just done by the court. So the court will basically order it. So I ordered this non-molestation order just to let him know that, listen, I'm serious. I, I'm serious. I don't want to be harassed. I don't want to be stalked. I don't want this relationship anymore. And I have to spell it out for you that this relationship is over. 
So I filed that and I think it's when he got that that he knew, okay, she's serious now. So shortly after I filed this non-molestation order, he filed a contact order to see my children. And now I didn't actually ever say to him that he couldn't see the children. Like I wasn't trying to withhold the children from him or anything like that. I simply just wanted to protect us from being harassed um, and abused, really. That's why I filed the non-molestation order. So I went there and I got it ex parte, which means basically emergency and it was granted but shortly after that it um when he when he came to the court to contest the non-molestation order i was told by my solicitors now i got a solicitor through legal aid because you can get legal aid on um, cases to do with domestic violence so i was eligible to get some legal aid for that so i'd have representation fully paid for and i took one of those um lawyers that were provided by legal aid and the lawyer actually phoned me up on the day that well not on the day but probably the day before yeah the day before we were meant to go to the contest hearing where he was basically supposed to say his side of the story and why he doesn't think that he should have a non-molestation order and you know I'm you know a liar or whatever um to stick up for himself you know my lawyer actually told me no Zara you know you don't need to come to the hearing we'll handle it we'll come on on your behalf and fight your corner um on your behalf so I thought oh okay you know I mean this is my first case in court I died I'm not used to the way these things go um at the same time obviously I don't really have anybody to talk to at the same time so I'm just taking their word for it like you know they do this this thing day in day out they're lawyers right they should be giving me sound advice so I didn't go to the court because I was thinking if I go to court as well I'm gonna have to look for childcare or pay for childcare for my daughter as well which is just not going to be worth it for maybe a whole day hearing it's going to be really expensive so i thought oh if i don't need to show up at the courthouse then i won't so i didn't go to the court and eventually i was just told and this wasn't immediately after i was told that the case had been dropped that apparently the you see i think that i was told a bunch of lies anyway by my solicitor but I was told that it was dropped and we would have a fact-finding hearing where it would basically be based on evidence whether or not this non-molestation order should be granted. So this case went on for probably about a year and a half before we actually had a hearing on this. And I provided my solicitor with so much evidence, you know, evidence from my case file, from the NHS, the one that I told you all about, that the midwives and health visitors had reported that he has aggressive behavior. So they've put this on my case file. Um, I think I also had like, you know, a range of police reports as well some pictures of injuries, just a load of things. You know, I really built my case um, as best as I could with all the evidence that I had. But again, I was an amateur. I'm not a solicitor, so I don't really know what is good evidence, what is bad, what I should be trying to include, etc. But you know, I did my best to try and get as much um, information. I sent her te text messages that we had between us as well. So, you know, lots of things. And on the actual day of the hearing, when I looked at the case bundle, I saw only two pieces of evidence, two. 
out of all the emails that I sent her, and I only saw two pieces of evidence in there. So when I was in the witness stand, I was actually like, okay, where is my evidence? Where is my evidence kind of thing? And I was, you know, I was sent a barrister to come and represent me on the day. So obviously the barrister is like just meeting me like the same morning. So he doesn't really know what's going on either. Obviously he can see things are not tallying up, but he's like, okay, just do your best. Um, you know, and th those kind of things, just trying to give it the best shot we can. But the truth of the matter is he's getting paid whether we win or lose. You know what I mean? And on my half, it's like, you know, I've got to win this. Like, this is my life. This is my children's lives. These kind of, this kind of thing. So, you know, it wasn't easy for me to see that, but it was almost as if I don't understand why this woman didn't put the evidence in, you know, had she been paid off by his side to actually, you know, rig the case kind of thing. Cause I don't understand when you've been provided with this amount of evidence in your emails, which I have all the e emails to prove that I sent them to her way in advance. Some things were even a year in advance. Like I was told that I needed to have a letter from my GP, which I did provide to her and she actually omitted that from the actual case bundle. So anyway, in a nutshell, I ended up losing the case. I ended up losing the case and it was all because of this negligent solicitor. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to complain about her. I'm going to do this. I'm going to complain to the SRA. I'm going to go to the legal ombudsman. I'm going to try and get her penalized for what she did and have this investigated. But then again, it's all money to, to be paying out for this level of justice. So that's what happened with the court case anyway. In a nutshell, the, the judge actually called me a liar. She called me a liar. She said that I've been lying from the start. There's nothing truthful about what I've been saying. I'm, a, I'm horrible. I've not been putting the needs of my children first. I've been depriving them of seeing their father. I've been lying on the stand about these incidents and things like that. And I was thinking, wow, after all that he's actually done to me, the only ounce of justice that I could actually have was winning the case, just so the authorities can see and agree with me, validate my story that he is a domestic abuser. That was my only kind of, you know, at least if I win this, you know, I'm not such, you know, a loser kind of thing. He didn't just get away with it just like that. But the very fact that I lost the case and the judge would even call me a liar and the the worst part is that this was obviously on transcript this was obviously in writing that the judge found me to be untruthful and things like that which is very hurtful after everything that i had been through for the judge to actually turn around and still tell me that i'm i'm literally the abuser instead of the victim so it's very very um hurtful to hear that and it just makes you think like, you know, where is the justice in the world if the wicked ones get away with it, to be honest. So just going back a little. So during this time that, you know, we were leading up to the case and things, obviously I was feeling really, really down. I was feeling like, oh my goodness, I've hit rock bottom. My life is a mess. I don't have a job. I don't have an income. 
I'm a mom. I have two small little kids that are very, very demanding. I can't keep the house clean. I can't keep my appearance up. I can't do this. I can't do that. Things are breaking left, right, and center. I need this. I need that. I need this. I can't afford this. I can't afford that. I can't go here. I can't go there. And it just became so depressing. I was like, I just don't even want to live anymore if this is what life has in store for me. This is not worth it at all. This is not a fulfilling life. This is not it. And I couldn't really find myself out of that position, you know, mentally, because I I knew all of the potential that I had inside me. I'd always really believed in myself, but just going through this entire period, I really, really lost trust in myself. I really stopped believing in myself. I stopped believing that things were possible. I stopped believing that I can actually make it. I stopped believing that I could actually flourish and make it. I'm an entrepreneur. I've started businesses in the past before that weren't too successful. So I started, you know, really ruminating on that. You know, I failed at this. I failed at that. And I failed on my marriage and I'm failing as a mother. And I'm, you know, just a failure in every single quadrant of my life. And I just started to feel really, really sorry for myself, to be honest. I just wasn't interested in anything. And I didn't at the time want to necessarily seek counseling or anything like that because my ex-husband was out there telling people like social services and my GP that I'm crazy, I'm a nutter, I'm suicidal, I'm, you know, off my rocker, you know, I harm my children, I do this, I do that. So the last thing that I wanted was for it to be documented again that, oh, I have mental health problems as well. Like... (laughs) You know, it was just too much. So I didn't want to even seek counseling at the time. I just wanted to, you know, ride it out, ride the waves. Okay, this is my crappy lifestyle. (laughs) But then eventually I, I just thought, you know what? What's the harm in talking to people? So I did eventually just go to counseling just to see, you know, have somebody to talk to and maybe, maybe I can start feeling a bit better about my life. So I did have a few counseling sessions, which was good. I went through the NHS to get this counseling. Um, The thing is, the waiting list for the counseling was so long. It was about definitely a few months that by the time I actually got the counseling, I think I did a lot of the self-healing by myself. I worked my way through a lot of my emotions before I actually got the counseling. So I was actually speaking to the counsellor in retrospect a lot of the time. Even though I hadn't arrived at my full destination of where I want to be in my life, I wasn't 100% happy. Yeah, I just spoke to him anyway about it and just to try and get me up to the level that I needed to be emotionally. So I went for that. But eventually it just became like I'm talking and not actually doing anything practical to improve my life and that became really I wouldn't say disheartening but I knew that I needed to do more and I couldn't find that more and that was what was becoming really really frustrating I knew I had to do something 
I knew that there was a purpose, a mission for me, but I couldn't just align myself with what it was. I was willing to just do anything just to ensure my success, just to get that self-belief back. I didn't want to do things that wouldn't be fruitful anymore. I was unemployed for a really long time. I had an undergraduate degree. I had a master's degree. I'd started businesses before, but none of that was going to take me to the next level. And I knew that I had to come up with something new. I tried looking for a job at the time, but when I saw the length of the applications, when I saw the pay packets that were out there, I just thought to myself, this is not worth it. <laughs> I started to feel really insecure about my work experience. Because I'd been out of work for a long time, I started to think to myself, oh, there's like these huge gaps in my CV. I don't even know what to do. I've worked in so many different sectors as well. So it, it's not really a linear experience that I have in one particular field. Because I mean, I've never been an excellent employee. I've always been getting fired and only lasting the probation period in places. So I'd always known that I wanted to do business. I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was just my thing. But I started looking for jobs, just being desperate, like, oh, you know what, I'll do anything. I'll go back into work. I'll just, you know, get a nine to five, just something to earn me some money so I can, I can afford things. Goodness, because <laughs> I, I could hardly afford anything at this time. And it was really getting to me, especially when you have kids like, you know, they, you just want to afford stuff simply. You know, every time I, I drive past a McDonald's that my daughter's like screaming, you know, she wants McDonald's and this and that. And you know, those little LOL surprise dolls and this and that. There's always another toy. There's always another gadget. And at this point, I wasn't even thinking about toys and McDonald's and stuff like that. I wanted to be able to afford food. I wanted food in the cupboards. That's what I wanted. And I thought a job is gonna get me that at, at very least. At least I can be a little bit comfortable and actually afford food for goodness sake and feed my children. So I tried applying for a few jobs and it just didn't work, you know, unsuccessful, unsuccessful all the time. And I just became really disheartened because I mean, when you have two small children, applying for applying for even one job a day i congratulate you if you can get through it especially with these like eight stage applications as well if you can get through one application a day i salute you so i thought about going into teaching actually at one point and i thought yes this is my way out this is the ticket out of this deprivation and suffering and poverty that I'm currently in because at the time I mean my ex-husband I did put him on child support but he was he was only giving me probably about six pounds yes six pounds a week and missing payments by the way so, I mean, that contribution wasn't really helping, um, maybe with the McDonald's, but nothing else, of course. So I really knew that I had to fend for myself and I had to fend for my children. So 
I really felt like teaching was just the way back into work, the way back into stability, the way to really get back on my feet because um, I'd have the childcare paid for, I would be doing something with my life and not feeling like, you know, I'm just a bum at home kind of thing. Um, so I did actually apply for a few teachers training courses and yeah, the first three I was actually rejected on rejected <laughs> so that really took a knock on my confidence as well I was like oh man even the teachers don't want me nobody wants me and I started to feel quite bad but then I don't know there was always something inside me that thought I'm just doing this out of desperation desperation that I don't know what else to do with my life this is kind of a quarter life crisis for me. And I think I finally nailed it. Like this is my way back into, you know, stability kind of thing. But the fact that they rejected me, I always felt like deep down inside, I know this is not it. I know that this is not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. I know that this is not the purpose that I've been thinking about. This is not the purpose that's inside my heart. This is not what is going to unlock my my light. This is not what's going to ignite my light. And I knew that. So even when I had been rejected by these um, training programs, a little bit of me wasn't even that disappointed because I just knew that it wasn't, it wasn't the avenue that I was meant to be taking. So eventually I ended up going on this really, really, really sweet program my friend was actually on this course and he was doing it online. He was really enjoying it and he was kind enough to tell me, you know, check it out. You can sign into my um, account and, you know, watch the online videos and X, Y, and Z. So I thought, you know what, let's give it a go. We've got nothing to lose anyway. Let's just go ahead. We'll try anything at this point, won't we? Just to try and get my life back together. And... I, I think I watched one of the, the videos, one of the training programs, and something just clicked. Something just clicked for me. And I was thinking, could this be it? Could this be my way back in? Could this be the route? Could this ignite my light? Is this the thing that's going to unlock my purpose? Is this the route in? Because something is happening here and I don't know what it is. I just know that I'm getting excited. I just know that there's something that that is resonating in my heart with this program. They are really helping me to believe in myself again and help me to know that I can be successful in my own business all over again. So I continued on the training and ju just kept doing it, just kept working on the products, kept working on my services and I kept um, following the program essentially. And I can tell you that was literally the best thing that I ever did in my entire life. Like forget about what I've been through, you know, with the marriage and the divorce and the, the suffering. This is the best thing that I have ever done in my entire life. This has gotten me to not only believe in myself, but actually 
secure my future. I didn't need a conventional job and I just knew that this was the way back in. I could finally take control of my life, start earning an income, start being able to afford food again, for goodness sake, you know? Things got really bad for me at times. I remember, you know, I kind of make it like a joke when I say, oh yeah, I just wish I could afford food at least. But there were times when things got really, really bad. And I remember at a certain point, I don't know what was happening that particular week, but I just did not have any money. Like from the beginning of the week till the end, like Monday to Sunday, seven days straight, like with nothing. And I couldn't really ask anybody for any help around me. So I kind of just tried to make do with, because I knew I was getting money at the end of the week, but I just didn't have anything for now. So I began thinking like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? There's only like a little bit of milk left for, you know, the children's cereal. You know, we went down to the last piece of bread. And I remember that I put the bread in the toaster for my daughter and you know after she finished the bread she actually said mommy i want more and i just looked at her and i said we don't have any more bread and it just broke my heart just to know that i couldn't give my children something so simple like bread i was failing tremendously I remember another time during that, I think this was like the same week where I was just trying to scrape and make it to the end of the week. So, I mean, we drink bottled water, so I didn't even have any more bottles of water left. I had to boil the kettle and, you know, wait until it cools down and drink, you know, boiled, um, cooled down water from the kettle. Um, I had to actually mix with what was left of the milk. I had to dilute it and mix it with water because that was literally the last milk that we even had. I put a little bit of sugar in there just to hope that the kids wouldn't notice the difference. I mean, I think they did because I used organic coconut sugar, which is actually brown. So I think my daughter looked at the bottle like, okay, what is this? But I mean, she's three, so it's not a necessity to have milk at that age anyway. But yeah, things were so difficult that week. The next day, obviously the milk and water wasn't gonna suffice because there was no milk to mix with the water. And I know my son isn't gonna go to sleep with no milk, you know? And I think I only had a few pence. I was like trying to like look all over the house if I can try and get some, you know, I found a few five peas, I found a 20 P, I found, you know, a few peas around, but it just wasn't enough to scrape together and get, you know, a, a pint of milk or what have you. So I had to swallow the big pill and, and, and ask for some help. And I had to go to um, my local food bank actually and just hope that they'd give me some milk. That was all I was after. Just just let me be able to give my kids some milk so they can, you know, go to sleep and have some cereal for the next morning. That was all I was concerned about. So I did have to go to um, my local children and family center who were 
more than happy to help me with um, a voucher for a food bank and I had to go there and um, retrieve some food from there. Yes, they did give me um, two cartons of milk, which I was so happy about. And then, you know, just some other food as well. So I was able to rustle up something for dinner and things like that. So yeah, and the following week, everything was okay because I managed to get some money together and, you know, buy milk again, goodness. But I think what I'm saying is that I had been through so much. I had gone through such a rough patch that I never, ever wanted to return to. I mean, even if we're looking at, you know, the pay packets these days that we're actually getting with jobs, a lot of us are actually even just one paycheck away from suffering. You work so hard, all those hours that you put in and at the end of the month, this is your pay. You know, after the first week, how many of us have just spent all the money in like the first three days and like the rest of the month, you're just suffering. So I, was, uh, I wasn't I was really interested in, in getting into any kind of job that wasn't gonna pay me, you know, a significant amount to get me out of this poverty because after all my bills are paid and stuff like that, I didn't still want to be on the equivalent of, you know, government assistance. So I knew I had to do something and I definitely felt like starting this challenge was the way because it helped me to see where I was going wrong in my business and do things differently. It helped me to actually believe in myself, believe in my product that it's actually going to work out. It helped me see that I don't need this, I don't need that, I don't need this, I don't need that to start, which is some of the lies that I've been telling myself that, you know, this is the reason I haven't started and that's the reason I haven't started. You know, I don't have, you know, a, a, an investor, I don't have this, I don't have my products, I don't have, you know, just lies that we tell. And this course really allowed me to see how I can just get started. Stop with the excuses and just get started. And from that time on, it's it's just been amazing to really find my voice again, find my business and flourish. That's all that we have time for today on Ignite Your Light with Zara Black. If you want to ask me any questions um, about my life or my business or this particular episode, just send me a message. You can send me a voice message through the Anchor webpage or you can like my Facebook page and send me a message through there. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, just to let you all know that I do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions and group coaching sessions, just send me a message on my Facebook page. Also, if you're interested in taking that course that absolutely just changed my life, like hands down changed my life, my perspective, my situation, also send me a message on my Facebook page as I have a special offer for you that you can get. You've been listening to Ignite Your Light with Zara Black.